This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast. Right now, I've decided to record a podcast at 5.06 a.m. on Sunday, March 3rd, as I am about to end my brief, exciting, exhilarating, deeply concerning, frustrating, I think I used a lot of words here, uh, Florida road trip. I think that's what I was about to get to. I'm recording this from the rental car return area. I'm about to return the rental car I used. I still have time before my flight. My flight is at 7.45 a.m. And so I decided to use this podcast for a couple of things. Number one, to talk about the trip I just made, some of the boring yet could be to some entertaining details. And of course, I'll wrap it up with my deep concerns for the state of the Brooklyn Nets. This was a very compact trip. Basically, Friday after the show, after the midday show, I went straight to the airport and got on a plane. And and I briefly talked about this on the Saturday show, but I feel here in the podcast I can be more open with the airline that I took. I had mentioned on the show that, I, I look, I don't fly that much. I don't really know the difference between this airline and that airline. The only thing I know is I really like JetBlue, right? I like JetBlue. They got the internet. They got the TV. They got the satellite radio. <clears throat> I, I've always been, you know, a fan of JetBlue. So when I went to go book my airfare, the thing that I wanted specifically was the time. Like, I wanted to get to Florida at the earliest possible time after the show on Friday. So a 3.30 flight was perfect because I had enough time to get to the airport, LaGuardia, and I was going to get to Florida early enough. You know, I didn't want to get there at 11 o'clock at night. I didn't want to take an 8 o'clock flight. So I flew Spirit Airlines. That's the airlines I was referring to. And maybe everybody listening is going to say, oh, yeah, Spirit, what the hell's wrong with you? Why would you fly Spirit? I flew Spirit because, A, it was cheap enough, all right? I don't want to spend the fortune. Station wasn't paying for this trip. Because obviously, if, if the station's paying for the trip, what do I care how much the, the, the cost is? And it was the perfect time. I didn't want it to be too early. If it was too early, I was going to be rushing out of the station, you know, uh, really stressed out getting over there. God forbid there's traffic, airport security, you never know. So I flew Spirit Airlines and everybody I said this to, everybody warned me how much of a disaster it was going to be. Spirit's the worst. You'll be lucky to to get there in one piece. There's definitely going to be delays. It's going to be just a nightmare. And so obviously I was freaked out about this, thinking, boy, this is going to be awful. So I'm checking the flight status and every flight around me, JetBlue, Delta, you name it, they all have delays. The weather wasn't great Friday, so it wasn't really a surprise. 
I'm telling you, every flight had some kind of delay. And you know what flight did not have a delay? Spirit. I took off on time. Now, I get what Spirit tries to do. And a lot of these airlines do it now. They try to charge you for everything. And you know, I look at it this way. If I'm getting a service for what I'm charging, I'm willing to pay it. And trust me, I'll get to another service I paid for in Florida. Don't use that imagination that had to do with parking near the American Airlines Center, which was similar. I, yeah, I paid money for something, but it was worth it. So they make you pay for the kind of seat that you want on the plane. I ended up paying, I think, like 30 or 40 bucks to sit towards the front of the plane and to have a more comfortable seat. To me, 30, 40 bucks for a comfortable seat on a three and a half hour flight, three and a half hour flight, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm not going to bitch about that. The last thing I want to do on a plane ride is sit like a sardine. And I admit, I looked at the back of the plane when I got on it. Yeah, the seats were pretty small. If I didn't pay the extra 30 or 40 bucks to sit in a extra comfortable seat, I would have been bitching and complaining. But you know what? You get what you pay for. You pay the extra money. You got a comfortable seat. I had no problem with it. And so I did pay. <laughs> you know, they, they got me to pay an extra I think it was $40, to be honest with you. I'm trying to remember what it cost to sit in a more comfortable seat. But the bottom line is, Spirit Airlines got me where I needed to go. So I don't have this negative connotation to it. Meanwhile, every other airline had a delay. So Spirit, if you're listening, I know you got a bad reputation. And I'm probably going to be one and done with your airlines. But you guys got the job done. So I got to... Fort Lauderdale because that that's how that's where I needed to fly into. Uh, there just wasn't a lot of good flights in West Palm Beach, which is closer to Port St. Lucie because my plan was to spend the night in Port St. Lucie, Florida, wake up early, boom, I'm near the ballpark, and away we go, do a show, watch the game, all that. So I got into Fort Lauderdale around quarter to seven, seven o'clock at night, and I made the decision to, instead of DVRing the net game and watching the net game when I got to the hotel, to listen to it. And I think Bob Houston and Tim Capstraw did a great job. The problem was they're delivering me this message of suck it to. They're the ones telling me about how freaking awful the Nets were going to play Friday night against the Charlotte Hornets. And, you know, I mean, I'll spend a lot of part of this podcast on the Nets. If you're not deeply concerned about this team, if you're not fretting that they may actually miss the playoffs, I don't know what the hell you're watching. Because it's not just that they've lost three in a row. It's not just that they've lost to Washington, Charlotte, and Miami, one non-playoff team, two borderline playoff teams in the Eastern Conference. They have gotten their freaking asses kicked for three straight games, two of them at home. They have played absolutely no defense. Their zone defense has been figured out around the league. Their shooting hasn't been great. Their rebounding has been piss poor. And they're healthy. But more on that later. <laughs> more, more on that f- just mess a little bit later on. I-, I was very excited to get back to Digital Domain, Thomas J. White, whatever the hell you want to call this stadium. Because I haven't been to Port St. Lucie, Florida in about five years. I was, I was doing the math on it. It was actually 2014. In 2014, I drove down to Florida and did a very extensive spring training trip where I hit a lot of different places. And that was right before they built the West Palm Beach Stadium because building that stadium in West Palm for the Nationals and the Astros 
has probably been huge for this area because one of the issues the Mets have had is that there just aren't a lot of teams that train around them. You know, you got the, t- the handful of teams in Jupiter, and during this period of time, 13, 14, 12, you had Vieira, you had Melbourne, you had Orlando, none of these places that close. So the last time I made an extensive spring training trip was back in 2014. I think I hit about four or five games, uh, a couple of different stadiums. But since then, I've only gone to one spring training game, and that was in 2017 to West Palm Beach. I saw a Met Astro game. I brought my son Jet, brought my wife, brought my family. But I haven't really done a spring training trip in five years, and that was part of the intrigue of doing this. And, you know, the timing really worked out to be able to hit a Met game on a Saturday, have the relationship the station now has with the Mets, which they haven't had in four or five years, and then to be lucky or unlucky, depending on how you want to look at it, for the Nets to be in Miami, it really created this perfect storm of doing this one-day trip to fly in on a Friday, do a Saturday show from Port St. Lucie, go to a game, go to a Net Heat game, and then sit where I'm sitting right now at 5 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, getting ready to fly back. And... I got to tell you, and I think it will affect you guys listening to a degree, and that's the idea that we actually have a relationship with the Mets again. Now, it's not going to change the fact that we rip them all the time. It's not going to change the fact that I still don't trust ownership. It's not going to change any of that. But what it does change is that we actually get Mets on, which is really cool. And, you know, so far, Joe and I, we've had Brody Van Wagenen. We both had Allard Baird. I know Joe had Michael Conforto when I was away. Um... This was my first time to actually talk to Mets again. And the Mets, you know, they were very helpful. Uh, They told me, hey, if you get there before the show at 8 a.m., you'll get to go down to the dugout, do the interviews pre-recorded, which I have no problem with. I mean, when you're pre-recording an interview two, three hours before they air, it doesn't affect you guys, the listener. It certainly doesn't affect me. It's, you know, it doesn't really matter. And it sounds better because, you know, talking to a Met on the phone when you're in Port St. Lucie, Florida, which would have probably been the case if we did the interviews live, you know, I could be sitting in the studio. So I got there at about 8 a.m. I sat in the Met dugout and I, t- I told the Mets, I said, look, I'd love to talk to Pete Alonzo. They came through on him. I'd love to talk to Jeff McNeil. They came through on him. And I begged them for Jacob DeGrom. I said, look, I am a admitted Jacob DeGrom fanboy. I'll admit it. The, the avatar on my Twitter is a picture of me and my son wearing Jacob DeGrom jerseys. I love the guy. Give me 10 minutes. And, you know, of course I'm going to bring up the contract. I, I can't not bring up the contract. But there's so many other things I love to talk about with Jake. And I didn't get him this time. But they are optimistic at some point. I'll get to meet him, talk to him, and pick his brain. Because the truth is... For me personally, I hope everyone listening would feel the same way. I'd probably want to spend 8 to 10 minutes, 8 of the 10 minutes, talking to Jacob DeGrom on Game 5 of the Division Series. (laughs) I mean, to me, that is one of not only the all-time Met performances, but one of the all-time pitching performances you'll ever see. To have a guy who had nothing that day in a winner-take-all atmosphere figure it out over six innings was truly stupendous. I I know there are plenty of other games to talk about with Jake. Even the one inning in Philadelphia in 2018, his start back from the injury scare after he got hurt against Atlanta, missed a turn in the rotation, comes back, throws, you know, 45 pitches in the one inning against the Phillies, 
boy, I'd love to pick his brain about that. But the reason I couldn't even be that annoyed about Jake not coming on is I'm sitting in the dugout, and the Mets would bring these guys over before they went out to the field and worked out. And the first guy on the field, the day after making his spring training start in Lakeland, was Jacob DeGrom. Runs right out of the dugout, maybe to avoid me, I don't know. Gets to the mound and starts working on things. So that that was certainly impressive. But we had Jeff McNeil on, we had Pete Alonzo on, we had Wilson Ramos on. You can listen to any of those interviews in the, the Joe and Evan podcast area. But all three were very interesting, and especially Alonzo because... He's in a tough spot. I think that Alonzo, McNeil, I think everybody knows why it makes sense for him not to make the team. It would almost be dumb for the Mets to have Alonzo make the team because of the service time issue. He would lose a year of control. The Mets would lose a year of control by having him up during the first two weeks of the year when if they just wait until April 15th, I think it is, they could gain a year of service time. Now, I think it would send a great message to the locker room. I think it would send a great message to agents. And it would probably give the Mets a better chance to win if Alonzo's on this roster out of the gate. But it certainly is a very tough spot. What I what I found interesting from Ramos was he was annoyed the Phillies didn't play him enough last year. So this is a guy who, even though he's got this long injury history, and some of it is very fluky, he broke his hand once on a foul ball, he tore his ACL, I think, twice which is incredible, he wants to play. And he talked in the interview about a stretch of games in Washington where he played in 20 of 21 games. I don't think that's going to happen unless the Mets are playing in October. You know, unless the Mets are in a deep pennant race in September, I think they're going to be very careful about his playing time. But that's a guy who wants to go out there and play. So it was certainly a fun time talking to those three guys and uh, I did the show from the press box, and then the Mets played a game against the Astros, and Noah Syndergaard couldn't throw a strike, and we saw Edwin Diaz's debut. Jairus Familia was in complete midseason form, and then the game ended incredibly oddly. I don't know how many people were paying attention on Rajay Davis being called for interference on what would have been a game-tying play, but they said he eagle, illegally slid at second base. Boom, you're out, game over. Mets lose to the Astros. Luckily, it's spring training, and it doesn't matter. And after that, I got in the car. My dad was with me. He made the trip down here, and we drove to Miami, Florida, and it was not a bad drive. Now, Miami is not close to Port St. Lucie. It's not five minutes away without traffic. It's about an hour 45. That's exactly what it took. There wasn't any traffic on a Saturday going down to South Beach. And I, I have been to the American Airlines Arena one time. I don't really remember much, though, about that experience. They didn't play the Nets. It was, if I had to guess the year, it was probably 2004. Uh, I was down here on some kind of vacation, some kind of trip, and a buddy of mine who used to live down here dragged me out there. And the only thing I remember about the American Airlines Center was that Michael Jordan's number is in the rafters. It's not retired, but they honor Michael Jordan, which to me is insanely pathetic. And don't compare it to Wayne Gretzky. The entire league is honoring Wayne Gretzky. Why would the Miami Heat honor Michael Jordan? Especially now. They have won three NBA championships. They have elite players to honor. Alonzo Mourning should be honored. Even Shaquille O'Neal should be honored. Dwayne Wade will eventually be honored. They're retiring Chris Bosh's number. Someday they should honor LeBron. You don't have to have freaking Michael Jordan's number in the rafters. What are you doing? I don't understand that. 
But that's the one thing I remember. And that it's a very colorful arena. You know, you walk in, it's very orange, it's very red. They try to make it beach-like. So we get to this arena. I have no idea what to park, where to park. It's like 6.30. And I want to eat. So I don't really want to mess around with parking. I just want to get in there. And so I see a closed parking lot. We go into this lot. I don't even know what it costs. I pull up. Nice lady tells us, hey, roll down your window. I said, all right. I said, excuse me, miss, how much is the uh, parking? And she says, $50. <laughs> and I just start laughing. I say, $50, $50 to park? And she's like, yeah. Now, at this point, well, what the hell am I going to do? What am I going to pull out? So, you know, my dad being the, the wonderful father that he is, I, I'll take care of it, son. Don't you worry. Hands the woman the 50 bucks. All right, you know, parking's close. What are we going to do? As we're pulling to then pull into a spot, there's another attendant. And the attendant has an accent. So I had a tough time fully understanding what he's saying. But he basically says to me, or at least what I interpret, I have a tip for you. Park here. And he's showing us a way to park, you know, right near the exit. And there's a cone there. So he's like, oh, I'll take the cone away. Park right here. There's a tip for you. So I'm like, wow, that's great. And he keeps repeating a tip. So my dad looks at me and says, he's asking for a tip. He's saying, for a tip, <laughs> you can park here. So <laughs> I'm telling you, if my dad wasn't there, I would have had, there would have been some horrible miscommunication. Again, at this point, we've spent 50 bucks. Who cares? You know, we're going to get this great, uh, great exit, this great spot where we can exit right away. Fine, we'll give the son of a bitch a tip. I mean, what, what, the, what the hell are we going to do? So we gave him five bucks. We got this great spot right near the exit. But $55 we're at now to park for a Nets Heat game. And yes, it's a close parking spot. But geez, I mean, you know, are they going to give my rental car a car wash on the way out? What the hell's happening here? But we do it. You know, what are we going to do at this point? Oh, my God. Ugh. Ate some pizza at a Brooklyn-themed pizza shop, which I was hoping was going to give the Nets some good karma. And then you got the game. And then you got the freaking game. Oh, my God. And, I, you know, for anybody who says the NBA is a game where you only have to turn on the last two minutes, I present to you the last three games the Nets have played. Because if you missed one big run, you missed the entire game. In the game against uh, Charlotte the other night, it was the second quarter. In the game against Washington the night before, it was early third quarter. This game against Miami is what I would define as a slow death. Because right from the get-go, they were playing from behind. And when you're in a back-to-back -back situation and you're playing the garbage basketball that Nets have played where they can't defend anybody, the one thing you don't want to do is play from behind. And so in the first half of this game, it ranged between being down by nine and being down by about four. So you're not being blown out, but you're always playing from behind. In the first eight minutes of this game, they couldn't stop anybody. I mean, the Heat were scoring on every possession. Kelly Olynyk is doing whatever the hell he wants. It was absurd. Just absurd. Uh, Abayo was doing whatever the hell he wants. 
There's no Hassan Whiteside in this game. There's no Goran Dragic in this game. Offensively, it was just D'Angelo Russell. And then the offense went completely flat. D'Angelo Russell disappeared, and the Heat closed the first half on a run to expand this lead into the high teens. All right, you know what? Get off to a good start in the third quarter. Maybe they get back in this game. They got their, They just got smoked in the third quarter. And there's nothing positive to say. Everything is going wrong. They're not rebounding. Kenny Atkinson said a few games ago, I'm concerned about the rebounding. Yeah, of course he's right. Hassan Whiteside's not even out there, and they're getting abused on the glass. The three-point shot is not going down. Joe Harris needs to take more shots. I give Joe, this is the one compliment, and I've, we've noticed this all year. How good is Joe Harris around the basket? Forget his three-point shooting. He is so good around the basket, he is the opposite of Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Now, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson's been buried until the game's out of hand. Then they'll go small with him and give him some burn. Same with Jared Dudley. But offensively, the threes aren't going down. They're turning the ball over. Karis Levert looks nothing like the blossoming star he was pre-injury. Dinwiddie was just an absolute mess yesterday. And I'm not going to get on him. It's only his second game back. But they are finally a healthy basketball team. And they're playing their worst ball of the year. And they're really doing it at the worst time. Because that monster road trip, which we've been eyeing for months, it's almost here. Well, they're one game under 500 now. They've got Dallas, Cleveland at home, at Atlanta, home Detroit. I mean, my God, they got to win. Four, they got to win all these games. Because even if they somehow miraculously won the next four, which I have zero confidence they're going to do, they still don't have that much of a cushion going into that final stretch of the year. And they're showing no sign of turning things around. And where are the adjustments from Kenny Atkinson? They have figured out the net zone defense now. So I sit here at 5.30 in the morning at a rental car return area, absolutely panicked that this team is not going to make the playoffs. Right now, I don't think they are. And then you factor in that some of these Eastern Conference teams are starting to play a lot better. The Magic, with this great road win against Indiana, they're playing a lot better. The Pistons are playing a lot better. And if one other team, along with Orlando and Detroit, jumps the nets, they miss the playoffs altogether. And after the way this season has gone, and now they're healthy too, If they miss the playoffs, I'm sorry, it's a disaster. And don't tell me, well, but but Evan, what if they win the lottery? First of all, they're not winning the freaking lottery. Okay, they're not winning the lottery with a 3% chance. And even if they did win the lottery, great. All right, that long term, that is great. I'm not denying that. But still, you got to give me the playoffs. I don't even care if it's the eighth seed anymore. You got to give me that playoff experience. It would be such a buzzkill for this team not to make the postseason after the start, not the start they got off to, the run that they were on. They were four games over 500 at one point in a bottom Eastern Conference. But right now, I don't think they're making it. I mean, does anybody really think they're going to turn this thing around now? They're finally healthy, and they're playing crap basketball. And there's a hole on this roster. I get that. And that hole was never fixed by Sean Marks, and that's the four spot. Now, what can Kenny do to fix the four spot? He continues to start Travion Graham, who can hit an occasional three. His overall shooting numbers are worse 
than really they've been over the last, let's say, six weeks. But still, he's a 6'5 power forward. Are you kidding me? Rondé Hollis Jefferson sucks. Jared Dudley is what he is. So really it comes down to this. Damare Carroll and Rodion's Karutz. One of them should probably be inserted into this starting lineup. Both of them should continue and probably more so play bigger minutes at the stretch four. And their roles have to, and look, Carroll plays plenty of minutes as it is. But you see it with Karutz, even though he's a rookie, he does add energy to this team. Levert's got to get going. Dinwiddie's got to get going. And this defense has got to pick it up. And maybe this defense is never going to get better because they've played their best defense this season when they've gone to the zone, which the league has now figured out. But even if they start playing better, this road trip is so brutal. I mean, they are facing all playoff quality teams on a seven-game road trip. Their best-case scenario is probably two and five. Well, they're one game under five hundred now. So, yeah. I don't think the Nets are making the playoffs. This is the first time I have thought this in two months or a month and a half or whatever the time frame is. I actually don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I can't believe I'm saying it. I don't want to be overly pessimistic, but the last three games have been just a complete, utter panic. Oh, oh my God. I'm giving myself a headache because whenever I do a road trip like this and you see a team on the road, and and luckily it also involves the Mets, and there's really, you can't get crazy about the Mets, it's March. You know, even the Jed Lowry and the Todd Frazier injuries, and, you know, they still needed another starting pitcher. You can't get too negative during spring training. That's one of the beauties of spring training. There's still that hope, there's still that, you know, eternal optimism that you have. But the one danger zone you have of when you see your team on the road is this. You lose, and it kind of puts a damper on the whole thing. I've seen the Mets plenty of times on the road. They've lost plenty of games. I've seen the Nets on the road plenty of times. They mostly lose games. And you got to kind of use your brain to not think about that stuff. So as I get set to go on an airplane, well, first return this car, then go on an airplane, I have to get the positive vibes. And the positive vibes are, hey, it was nice weather down here. That's great. Uh, positive vibe is I get to see my son and wife very soon and dogs, which I'm very excited about. I get to see Beningo Monday morning at 10 a.m. That's exciting. And we've got a scheduled edition of the Evan Roberts podcast that will be popping out this week. And that is a WrestleMania main event retrospective. What I'll be doing with my special co-host from Dennis has a podcast. He's appeared a few times. Dennis Holden, diehard wrestling fan. Uh, He joined me a couple of times. Good wrestling historian. We will talk briefly about every main event in WrestleMania history. What we liked about the match. What we didn't like about the match. If we would have rebooked the match. And if it shouldn't have been the main event of the match. And we'll do that for every main event in the history of WrestleMania. It is a WrestleMania main event retrospective. That's coming up this week on the Evan Roberts Podcast. A guy is now coming over and telling me that I cannot be standing here. So I'm going to close down this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. I'm going to say thank you for listening. (laughs) And I'm going to say, all right, I got to go. Because, um, yeah, this guy looks pissed off that I am... Standing in a no parking, no standing, anytime, unauthorized vehicles, towed at vehicles, owner's expense uh, area 
of the rental car return. But nobody's here. It's 5.30 in the morning. Is it a big freaking deal? Anyhow, thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. Check us out, 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, The Midday Show.